Welcome to Dailies. A film podcast. We are back. It's been a minute. <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a seven-week break. Yeah, maybe even longer more. Than I'd like, longer than I'd Longer than that. About yeah. nine weeks. True. It's insane. Honestly, um, you know, even with that huge break, it doesn't feel like it was that long in retrospect. But Yeah, we're glad to be back and ready to keep on dissecting Hell your favorite yeah. films that you haven't watched yet. Back in business. And today, if you guys recall from our last final episode of season one of Dailies, we left off with Belle du Jour. Belle du Jour, directed by Louis Bunuel. Mm-hmm. This was kind of our uh, season two opener film, if you will, and um, looking forward to discussing it. So a little bit of background on Louis Bunuel. Um, Spanish director... Yeah. Surprisingly enough, directing this French film, he was kind of all over the place. He was making movies from the 1920s all the way up through the 1970s. And I believe he passed away 1983 off the top of my head. I think it was in the 80s, early 80s. And um, never stopped making movies. He has a very prolific career. So Yeah, he's pretty much a multinational character. And he made films in Spain, in France. Mexico, um... He's been all over. Coast to coast. Yeah. And uh, he, he spent a lot of his early childhood in Spain and France um, when he was a young adult. Um, he was kind of sort of one of the uh, early members of the surrealist movement. And, um, you know, it's weird to see how he developed uh, his style over time because all these movements happened, but he was kind of living through all of them. Yeah. Uh, and you this, this is one of his later films. Um, and you can kind of see what his sort of perspective has evolved uh, into in film, so to speak. He was friends with characters like Salvador Dali mm-hmm. and Man Ray. And it's really interesting to see how the surrealist, the surrealist aesthetic affected his films mm-hmm. in a very visual sense. It's really cool. So as I was reading a little bit about him, he used to be a hypnotist. So... I I can totally see that now. <laughs> I never knew about that, but now I understand a lot of what he's trying to accomplish and a lot of his dreamlike sort of sequences. So should be fun to dive into. Um, so yeah, so Belle du Jour. You want to give us a brief little synopsis? or Belle du Jour, yeah. Let me go ahead. This film follows a character. Can you remind me what her name is? Severine. Severine. Right, so she is this... Upper middle class, so perhaps upper class upper lady class, definitely, yeah. who is married to a handsome medical practitioner. And they have a very ideal wedding. But Belle Jour, or Severin rather, hides a deep dark secret, which is very, very sinister sexual fantasies. The word sinister might not be the right way to describe it, but she has very, very intense sexual fantasies that she suppresses. And one day she encounters someone who a tells her about yeah, a friend her husband. of her husband who tells her about a brothel. And she becomes obsessed with the idea of finding out how this brothel operates and what goes on in there. And she goes there to present herself as a new candidate. She goes there to work in this brothel. And it's a whole adventure. And the film explores her psyche. And 
in very subtle and nuanced ways talks about why this character is the way she is and why she has the fantasies that she has and the film has a very a very ambiguous ending <laughs> it's a very it's a very dark yes. ending it's a very sad ending this film affected me in many ways which we'll still get into it's um yeah it's a very very weird ending that ending is something else man i yeah. gotta say i wasn't expecting it but you know, the way that we opened the film, even, I, I knew we wouldn't have this kind of closure. Um, it's it's as dreamlike as the beginning, I think, in a lot of ways. But, um, yeah, so I guess this is your spoiler warning. Yeah, we can, so we should probably spell it out for everyone listening to go into the ending, what happens in that really dark ending, to trace the events, the events that lead to that dark ending. It all started with the friend of the surgeon. Uh, his name was Henri, Henry. Yeah. Um, and he was kind of the dude that first uh, invited Severine into the idea of, um, Walking in of the not, so, um, not so pleasant career paths. <laughs> yeah. um, but he doesn't suggest it outright. It doesn't. He just talks about it the way a friend would tell you about mm-hmm. things they have heard. And he admits that he himself frequents such institutions. And she, she's the, the, that, that sort of introduction, his character is really what propels her sort of downward spiral. So. It is. And then she starts meeting all these characters in the bottle. She meets, uh, the first person she meets is this bubbly, cheerful fellow mm-hmm. who is slightly unattractive to her. And it's a, it's a very, he's sort of like a threshold guardian on the hero's journey. Yeah. The first real obstacle that she has to yeah. face. And, and it's it's weird because, I mean, uh, they're not pleasant at all. You know what I mean? But, but like, the way that the 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 story progresses, I mean, it's, it's kind of this uncanny terror, but because we're viewing it through her eyes, it's sort of, like, uh, hip, it's, it's not hypnotic, but it's, like, uh, inviting. Which is disturbing, <laughs> uh, yeah. considering uh, a lot of the situations she finds herself in, herself in, in the uh, brothel. So the one character she meets that has a very large impact on the story, I think she actually was attracted to that character to a certain degree. Mm, and he's Marcel? this... The gangster? The, yeah, the gangster, yeah. the bad boy. Oh, yeah. Who becomes obsessed with her and he decides to ruin her life. And yeah. It has great consequences. He is the downfall of both her and her husband, yeah. sadly enough. Sadly. Well, so we think, um, at least towards this ambiguous ending. So yeah. it's, it, it's He ends up shooting Severine's husband. Yeah. Just Bummer. in broad daylight in the streets. I mean, you, you knew it was coming. Uh, you were just waiting for how she would respond. And, and how uh, does she respond? Well, I mean... It's weird because she almost sort of blame well, she blames herself very obviously, you know. I mean, she has this kind of masochistic um element to her character in the first place. Um not that she's taking pleasure from her husband's demise, but she also blames him too, which is weird. I believe there's a line where she she sort of blames Pierre too for for what happened, which is kind of, you know, it tells a lot about her character, um especially at that point psychologically. Um. So yeah. Yeah. Yes. At some points, you can never really tell whose side the director aligns with. 
he's almost like a he is an omnipresent figure, the director, and he's just telling us this story and not necessarily aligning with any of the characters. So Severin is a very unconventional protagonist in that sense. Yeah, all the characters are mostly unlikable. I mean, uh, except for Pierre, who, who's really trying his best, um, aside from one that he's featured in those disturbing dream sequences. But <laughs> um, <laughs> other than that, he's sort of the ultimate victim of the uh, story. Um, so going into, I guess, uh, the, the directing a little more, um, the way that Buñuel kind of um, navigates her, her character, um, what was your favorite element of that? The dream, the dream sequences, yeah, man. right? Those were just amazing. So there's a really cool way... So the film is introduced with this sort of uh, this, the um, the carriage with the uh, the bells. Yes. Um, and those bells are a prominent sort of motif that keep repeating throughout the film. Yeah. Um, the use of sound in this movie is is really really. Um, I mean, it's there's a lot of directors that use sound in this way to sort of instill dreamlike sequences um, and mess with the, our uh, understanding of the character's reality. But um, this one is like very enjoyable to listen. Very to. enjoyable, and the use of silence mm-hmm. is really efficient in this film. Yeah, I mean, she says sequences. the most. The character says the most when she's not talking. She's, you know, she's kind of being exposed. Uh, um, you know, stripped bare in front of uh, the audience, um, so to speak. Yeah, the dim sequences were just amazing. I mean, so many camera techniques are used to make these sequences just flow like butter mm-hmm. and they just work so well and they tell you a lot about the character yeah. in ways that are funny uh-huh. and also dark i mean in a way the film is kind of comedic considering the content it's kind of ridiculous how fast she sort of falls into this um not so pleasant career path it's 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 not apparent when you're watching it. A lot of the situations, when I look back at them or l- think about them now, are uh, like pretty ridiculous. Like the gangsters, and uh, you know the prostitutes, and um, you you have the the big uh, the Japanese guy who comes in. Yeah, that was a very bizarre section box, of the film. Yeah. The box, what's in the box? You know, Buñuel himself has says whatever whatever you want it to be. That's what's in the box. And you know what? I think that makes the most sense considering her character. I mean, you know, she does make some sense. Yeah. It's kind of like staring into the void. You know, eventually it stares back. So, um, yeah, he works really well with Catherine Deneuve in this movie. I've heard they had a very tumultuous relationship uh, Mm -hmm. before starting the movie and throughout production. Um, But I think uh, it definitely bore fruit because she's phenomenal in this. So. Yeah, it's an interesting visual style in the film too. I mean, minus production design, there's a look mm-hmm. that is, it's very bare, but it works for the content of the film. And like I said before, the camera work is just fantastic from a directorial standpoint. What Bunuel does to make this film happen is just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Excellently directed. There's relatively um, long takes and, you know, there's that paired with like the very interesting character des- uh production design um there's actually a lot of color 
things that are happening. I don't know if you noticed that, but as she I didn't look too much into that, but I'm interested of, in hearing about so, what um, you noticed. Ah, I can't remember. I think it's the moment when, um, what was his name? Um, uh, Henri, the dude that invites um, yes. Severine, um, a, you know, into the fantasy of, um, you know, prostituting herself. Um, he, he gives her red flowers and after those red flowers are given to her, you start seeing the color red more and more, I believe. Okay. And, uh, and even, even in the, in the brothel and, um, you know, she progresses into this, uh, you know, keeping the secret away from her husband and whatnot. Um, everything gets more intense, the colors, um, by the end, obviously, she's she's dressed in black because she's sort of mourning. I do remember uh, the back, husbands. yeah, because that was a really nice outfit. Yeah, and it's it's like it's it's the uh, you know culmination of her character at that point, and she, it's because I believe she starts the movie in white because they're in bed. You know, it's about their chase, you know, relationship, uh, her and her husband, who she refuses to sleep with for whatever reason. Um, we we want to think it's sort of repressed memories about her father which I seem to be hinted at, I think, a little bit. Um, and uh, she ends in black. She's been totally corrupted, um, which is a little interesting from a color point of view. That's interesting, for sure. Yeah, there's there's so much to dig into the uh, production design. Um, the houses and stuff are phenomenal. Um, yeah, every single location yeah. is excellent. I mean, my favorite is still the, the horses and that, that, that sort Just of that windy, scene. like, uh, you know... Uh, leaf-ridden path that they sort of, you know, gallop across. Yeah, it's so disorienting that beginning. I wasn't sure it's what so was happening. It's so mesmerizing. It I mean, is. it's that's where I can see he was a hypnotist. Like, you know, I can see that there. I'm hypnotized by that scene <laughs> and the ending. Um, My favorite dream sequence was the one about a communion. I think mm, our first communion. Yeah. And she's walking up these stairs, I think going up to the brothel, and she turns her head around. And next thing you're in a Catholic church, yeah, and you see her receiving her first communion, mm-hmm. and it transitions so well back into the brothel. But it's all it's you know back to the sound. It's insane. all quiet, and and then it's very you know quiet. that's that's, that's, that's what how I meant when I was talking work. about silence. Yeah, you know, so there's a lot to 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 hear and see in those silences. Um, so I guess we could talk about a little bit of the. Um, well, yeah, I guess we can talk about the editing because I mean the film wouldn't work without that. Um, you know, he's working with his longtime collaborator, um, who's worked on a bunch of his films. I believe her name is Louisette Hautecoeur. Cool name. Um, and, uh, she, she helps bring these dream sequences together. I feel like. Definitely. The, the editing combined with the cinematography mm-hmm. creates really nice movement. Just movement in terms of how a shot flows into another shot. It's all real time. Like, it's perfect. Some things on the story I also wanted to touch on before we got into editing. This film was not very easy for me to watch. Yeah. I expected a, I expected a fun, sexy type of film. Well, it is. But this was, this <laughs> was very dark for me. Is it for sexy? Some reason. Maybe not. <laughs> I did not find it sexy at all. I was yeah. scared for this character for practically the entirety of the film mm-hmm. leading up to where she actually turns into a yeah. villain in my eyes when Pierre starts to feel the effects of the yeah. things that she has done. At that point, I lost a lot of sympathy or empathy for her. 
but before that point i was really scared for this it's for this weird because she's scared at first too and by the end i i, I don't know <laughs> you know what i mean it's it's as ambiguous as the uh you know as her leaving that room with him paralyzed into the the garden you know that's a transition is is from she says you know whatever she needs to 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 paralyze pierre he comes up in that dream sequence and sort of talks to her and then we cut back to him being paralyzed still and she Ooh. exits the room and then we cut to the horses uh galloping down that path back yeah it's fantastic it editing. is it's, it's really it's cinema at its best um the two points that were just really weird for me were the scene with the japanese man right that was very it was very alien and strange that yeah scene. oh man yeah so it alien. was the film suddenly became a thriller like yeah. a slow thriller and also that really insane character of the i think it was a doctor i'm not sure but this one guy yes who had a very particular way that he wanted mm-hmm. to be treated very that more masochistic was. than severine i'd say <laughs> and she was she was disgusted by him bizarrely which was surprising right yeah, yeah that, that one scene was i found it all just a little bit dark now that i think about it she might have not been so stoked about that because it sort of reflected her too much her, her yeah, sort of she masochistic saw in the mirror, desires right? maybe yeah and she's I like mean, you know she's disgusted by herself but she doesn't really want to confront it so yeah interesting really good to me yeah so but yeah uh cinematography i mean it's the legendary sasha Vierny who shot this he shot for you know renee uh a lot of french new wave directors um and buñuel and um he's got this great texture to how he shoots images it's all very crisp and and adds to the dreamlike sort of you know feel that we get from it feels very natural yeah you know yeah it's a it's a minimalistic look Mm -hmm. as dreamlike as it is it's not trying to you know divert your eyes with flashy you know uh camera work or lighting or you know set design it's it's very into hypnotizing you into this character's sort of state of mind so and that's why i enjoyed it honestly yeah i mean it's very mesmerizing to look at yeah so next we should go into our thoughts on the acting i mean deneuve is a legend so you know i'm i'm, I'm always going to be stoked about anything she does uh i believe this was probably her most one of her most difficult films, I believe she's even said that herself, um, you know, because, I mean, think about it. What a character to sort of, you know, inhabit yeah, um, must take a toll on you. Um, must take a toll on you. And she didn't, I don't think she she expected her to be revealed, so to speak, as much as she is in this film. Yeah. And, you know, that was where a lot of the friction between her and Buñuel sort of came from, um, which is interesting. Um, but, yeah, she's great. I loved uh, Marcel. The gangster who I wasn't expecting to adore, but he kind of grows on you in his sort of, you know, slimy way. <laughs> He's a very strange, very strange guy. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he was a non-actor. No, he actually did act quite a bit. And he, he actually, um, Pierre Clemente is his name, I believe. Let me double check on that. Yeah. 
Um, and he actually directed some very unique art house films from what I understand on his own too. That's interesting. Yeah. So I'm looking for, I have to dig into, you know, the internet and see if I can find those. But, uh, yeah, he was great. Um, I liked the dude that played, um, the guy that played his sort of mentor in the gangster world. He was good too. Um, and Pierre, obviously he's great. For what he is, um, the victim. The victim, yeah, yeah. Um, all the actors in this, I was seeing them for the first time. Even Deneuve, I've never watched any of her films. What? I don't think so. In terms of performances, what I thought, nothing jumped out to me. The film is a film that's carried. It's carried by the words and the story and the general. It's a. It's carried by every single part working together to create this whole thing. So the performances served the roles that they needed to serve adequately. Nothing jumped out to me especially, but I really enjoyed it. Really? I really enjoyed it. I think the Nev's performance is something to be spoken of. It was very nuanced, very subtle. She makes you guess what's going on. She kind of wears this, this mask, you know. It's very cold. Yeah. And detached. And it's hard to pull that off and have it be believable. Um, you know, it's funny because a lot of her characters are usually sort of, you know, quirky, not as um, not as intense or, you know, reserved and cold as this character. Um, That's I mean, interesting. she plays such a wide variety of characters. It's hard to actually say that. But, um, you know, I don't want to do disservice to her uh, range. But uh, this was this was very interesting to watch. Um, from her especially but yeah i think the acting overall was good yeah be sure be pleased with it um so yeah overall thoughts lasting thoughts on this one yeah overall thoughts great film great technique some of the things done here are just i mean it's just really impressive um not the film i expected no but still something really interesting yeah that made me think about, I mean, it just made me think generally about the human mind. And that's one reason to watch it. Yeah. Definitely uh, makes you ask questions about the uh, the psyche of, uh, you know, characters. To what extent you can sort of uh, explore sexual fantasies and fantasy itself with these sort of dream-like, uh, you know, stories so i i really highly enjoyed yeah. it and perhaps the repercussions of actually pursuing actually your pursuing them right yeah. yeah so uh yeah i guess uh we can sort of try and play catch up with some movie news and uh stuff that we've been hearing about lately yeah let's see what's going on what's going in on the industry well, I mean, we have the Oscar nominees that just got announced. So. Yeah, right. It just got announced today a couple hours ago, yeah. right? The big ones, I guess. Interesting picks. Interesting picks. I'm not, I, I'm not a huge Oscar guy, but, you know, everyone else is. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's remarkable because Roma is the, only the ninth um, foreign um, language film to ever be nominated for Best Picture, which is super cool. Best picture, best director. I was surprised by that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm stoked that Pawlikowski uh, is nominated for best directing. Best I wasn't of, expecting yeah. that. Two My foreign friend, films. I have a friend that tries to to predict um, the nominees each year, 
and even he didn't suspect that. And I'm very impressed with the academy for that. So, kudos. I hope he wins. A couple snobs here and there. Surprisingly, well, obviously. I mean, they can't. If Bill Street could talk, was not nominated. It was not. Was it nominated for best cinematography? I don't best remember. Best score. Score. Okay. And yeah. It has a really good score. There was a second nomination. I think, yeah. Okay. Maybe but, editing. Um, it's really well edited, I think. Yeah. But no best director, no best picture. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I don't know. A lot of those directors, I think, that were nominated were pretty deserving. So. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm actually shocked that The Favorite is even being nominated for best picture. That I'm really happy about crazy. that. Crazy. I mean, that would be that would be a big snub. That would be if huge it wasn't, if that, that won. But insane. I highly doubt. It's too weird. It's way too weird. It's no way it's gonna win. So. Um, but, you know, congratulations to Yorgos. Um, hopefully uh, this will bring him more income for his new weird projects. So, yeah, we'll looking forward to all those. Yeah, should be fun. Um, and while we were away, I guess, there was a couple um, festival announcements, you know. Berlin Ale and Sundance announced their lineups. Um, Berlin Ale, I think, are still announcing a lot of theirs, but... I mean, it looks pretty solid. A lot of uh, German entries, new Agnes Varda, which should be cool. Um, yeah. And then, you know, we got a bunch of Sundance uh, films. A lot of directors. I've really interesting films. Mm-hmm. Interesting looking films. Yeah. Acclaimed Nigerian British actor, Chiwetel Ejiofor, mm. wrote and directed a film called The Boy Who Captured the Wind. Harnessed the Wind. Who Harnessed the Wind. Thank you. And that's selected yeah and i think is running in competition mm-hmm. at for, berlin for berlin Ale. i think it's in one of the uh, special categories um any other interesting picks from berlin yeah, Ale? i mean you know there's a new zhang yimo um one second should be cool i already mentioned the new varda um a lot of chinese entries it looks like or at least a couple um, a new Fatia Kin movie called The Golden Glove was also announced. Should be fun. There's a lot of cool announcements made at the end of the year. So uh, it's cool to come into 2019 with that. Also, Happy New Year to everyone still listening. Thanks for sticking with us. Yeah. Can't believe it's... Uh, it's going to be a lot of great films coming out this year and next. Oh, yeah. We're just getting started. Um, a lot of these Sundance features look pretty cool especially the u.s competition uh you know we've got some uh cool looking indie flicks starring a lot of female leads which is very exciting um yeah should be cool rashid johnson actually has his uh, native sun film coming to sundance which should be exciting to see um so looking forward to a lot of these um probably won't be able to see him for a while because i'm not attending um I have some friends that are, which I'm really jealous of, but, um, you know, it's cold there. <laughs> That's in Utah, right? Yeah, it is in Utah, yes. It's nice. I Park City's really, really nice. Yeah. So it should be cool. I'm excited to hear more about those films. Yeah, so industry news, industry news. Well, what else do we have? I mean, there's those new trailers that we could uh, discuss coming from Netflix a lot. Oh, Yes. Velvet Bosso. Mm-hmm. That was really intriguing. I enjoyed that trailer so much, and I can't wait to see the film. And it's coming out next month. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, I really like Nightcrawler, so it's cool to see the director's follow-up to that. 
Um, and has Jake Gyllenhaal again, which is super. Yes. I love that guy. He's and I so hope good. I'll like Jake Gyllenhaal this time in this film because I really despise his character in Nightcrawler. Oh yeah, I I don't know if he 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 looked like he would come across as despicable in this movie too. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> he seems like a snobby art critic or something. So should be fun. That's an interesting cast too, though. Yeah. No. Yeah. For sure. Tony Collette. Mm-hmm. Other people. <laughs> John Malkovich. John Malkovich yes. is in that. Oh yeah, yeah, he's cool. I love him. He's uh he's gonna be uh interesting to watch in a Netflix film. Um, we've also got the uh, new Soderbergh that just got announced. High Flying Bird. High Flying Bird. Yeah. Shot on an iPhone 7s. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. And it looks amazing. Look, the framing I get it. in that trailer is just amazing. I'm not sold personally. I I saw the trailer and I've followed the project for a while because i think he was doing it around the same time he was actually producing unsane um i'll watch it i guess i don't know i'm not too sold on the contents but just because of the formal aspects i really want to see it okay sure i guess and that whole iphone thing is whatever but <laughs> i'll watch it just it's to thing, see yeah. how, how good he can make it work unsane was really fun to watch so hopefully this one will be just as fun it's cool how they kind of shoot a lot of those, you know, close-ups and stuff. Yeah. Um, then we have the new uh, trailer for Us that came out over our little hiatus. Yeah, that looks intense. That looks very, yeah. I'm definitely going to see it, and I hope I enjoy it, because I can't wait to know what it's about. I'm glad he kind of evolved from Get Out to, like, going full-blown with the whole horror stuff, or at least... I don't really know. I mean, we haven't seen it yet, so we have I no idea. Really it might be a rom-com. Who knows? Well, I don't know what kind of <laughs> rom-coms you watch, buddy, but <laughs> it looks a little more intense than that. Um, should be cool. It's about uh, a family that encounters sort of their psychological, uh, you know. Doubles. Doubles, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. And I mean, a lot of wild shit happens in that really trailer. really cool, too, though. Like a lot of the, the stuff. Yeah, the stuff. color red. Mm-hmm. And a little mustard color, I just like. Who's the main? Who's the main star in it again? It's the it's the girl and from Star Baku. Yeah. So we have Lupita and Yongo. Lupita and yeah. And Lupita. The guy who played Mbaku in Black Panther. Yeah. I need to dude. remember his name because he has such a cool name. Uh, Winston Duke. Winston Duke. Winston Duke. And Lupita and Yongo. Should be a fun watch. I'm looking forward to seeing it. And we also got the new trailer for High Life. Yes, the new trailer for High Life. Was still as confused as we were when we saw the teaser. <laughs> yeah. But I'm excited to see this. It looks really well shot, I will say. Definitely. It's that's the highlight mm-hmm. so far. That's really drawing me to it. And then the atmospheric qualities just Yeah. Well, obviously the the the, the, really know, nice. the cast for that is so bonkers. Julia Binoche, um, Andre three thousand, Andre three thousand. So I mean, wild. So Maya Goth. It's it's gonna be something for sure. Mm-hmm. I hope it gets a semi wide release. It's definitely not getting yeah, a wide it's release. Yeah, it's definitely gotten so much buzz here. I think that we're gonna see it in theaters for a little bit of time at least. And um, if we don't, maybe it'll drop on Amazon primarily. Hopefully. That's only two, four films, dude. Hey, Amazon Prime has been killing it, dude. Yeah. They have so much good stuff that they've just uploaded. Um, you know, highly recommend everyone tries to check it out. 
um, since you know we don't really have Filmstruck anymore, I've kind of shifted to Amazon Prime, which is I don't think I would have ever said, but they have a lot of stuff. Yeah, they have some old stuff on yeah. there too. Mm-hmm. Some pretty cool genre stuff. I will say I've had to rent a couple of them just because not everything's free for streaming. But uh, with Fandor and a lot of the other sort of subsidiaries that they kind of acquired, uh, Amazon Prime isn't too bad right now. It's not bad at all. Yeah. Um, so uh, I guess a uh, little quick news um, with uh, since we're talking about a little bit Criterion. Uh, they announced their new sort of releases that they have um, set up. I don't think we've ever done this before, but... I'm always excited to see what they're restoring and trying to release for Let's us. Let's put it up. Yeah. Could so be some interesting picks on there. So these new releases I'm talking about are um, the Jackie Chan police story films, which are extremely fun to watch and some of the f- most fun action films to come out of Hong Kong. Yeah, I have blurry memories of watching them as a kid. Oh, those are super Might fun. Might be nice to see them again. Mm-hmm. And uh, they also announced My Brilliant Career. Um, Australian film, off the top of my head. Yes. Um, I I have a lot of friends that have recommended me it, so I'm looking forward to checking that one out if I can. They also announced a face in the crowd, um, which is uh you know, Elliot Kazan, and um, that's uh kind of a fun one. I've 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 been meaning to see that I think for a little bit, and uh, finally my favorite announcement of the bunch is Diamonds in the Night, a Czech masterpiece that has just been waiting to get restored. Um, I think they announced the restoration, at least whatever company was doing it, a couple months ago, or I mean a while ago. They must have been working on it. Um, but highly recommend trying to get this release. Um, it's it's going to be one to watch. So Really great box art for all these films, by the way. Yeah, so go check all them the art just because so of that. I, I honestly, I kind of like these announcements just to look at the, the cover art. You know, a lot of these could be <laughs> posters. Um, but yeah. Very, very excited that Jan Nemec is getting, I believe, his first Criterion release. Um, so I think that about cuts it for the uh, news segment. Um, yeah, so I guess we should we let should them announce know the next what film? we are watching next. Yeah. Um, so I guess, you know, Bobby's sort of been bullying me um, into <laughs> choosing uh, Brisson for a next mo- uh, movie of the week. So we're going to be doing Au Hazard, Balthazar. Really, really, really interesting film. Yes. Um, you know, there's there's so much to dig into this movie. Um, absolutely legendary director, one of the greatest of all time. Um, and this movie is just as influential as he was. So catch us next time with some Brissonian content. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you there. This has been uh, Dailies. A film podcast. <laughs>